Hey everyone, welcome to the Gaudi Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Pazudo Pamako. As most of you probably know, COP26 has been going on in Glasgow for the last week and a half, uh, and I will be speaking with a quartet of Gaudi editors about COP26, why it's important, and how it affects us, uh, not just around the world, but here in Aberdeen. First, I'll be speaking with Sam and Amy, who've been covering COP26 uh, from here in Aberdeen, along with some other environmental issues. And then finally, I was speaking with Anthony and Ishti, who were in Glasgow last week to cover COP26 live on the ground, and they'll be sharing some of their experiences from that. Just a quick word, though, uh, the interview with Anthony and Ishti might sound a bit funny. That's just because we had to re-record a few things because of some technical difficulties, but hopefully uh, you can hear it all right, and all the information should be there. Uh, so sit back, enjoy the podcast, and we'll see you later. Hey everyone, I am here with Sam Johnson and Hello. Amy Smith of the Gaudi Editorial team. How are you guys doing today? Doing very well, watching COP and finding a lot of interesting results and trying to decide who's going to write about what. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Unfortunately, I'm not in Glasgow like my overhead editor, but hey, Hilver's planning to enjoy here in Aberdeen. Definitely. Right, well... Um, uh, if you guys could just introduce yourselves, maybe to our audience who hasn't met you yet, and uh, tell us a little bit about what you do at the Gaudi. Sam, you can go first if you like. Sure. I'm Sam Johnson. I'm a science and environment editor for the Gaudi. So I cover all sorts of science stories, especially environmentalism. A lot of stuff has been COVID recently for reasons, but we do cover a lot of environment and climate change has obviously been a big and consistent issue for us. So we're interested to see what happens in COP26 and what how the kind of politics interacts with the science, which I think is set from things like the IPCC more. Brilliant. And Amy, yourself? Yeah, so I am one of the editors-in-chief of a uni newspaper. Uh, my other editor-in-chief, Anthony, is down at COP26. He takes more of the newser side. I'm more arts and um, production and social media. Awesome. Right. Well, Sam, let's start with you. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what COP26 is exactly. There's a lot of talk about it, but for some people who maybe aren't as versed in uh, just the different things, they might be a little confused about what exactly is going on uh, when we say COP26. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So COP is a conference of parties, but basically it's the United Nations climate change uh, meeting uh, and they meet every so often they schedule one. This is the 26th one. It started around 1995. Yeah, which makes sense with the 26. Uh, the last big one was Paris. You may have heard things like the Paris Accord, the Paris Climate Agreements, people upholding or uh, reneging on promises from Paris. So it's basically where every member of the UN gets together and tries to kind of pressure each other to all agree on a plan for addressing climate change. Uh, here's our schedules for when we're going to cut carbon by, when we're going to reach net zero, uh, how we're cutting carbon and methane and all these different emissions. So it's a, a big global event for a global problem where different countries can work on this together. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to go over to Amy now. And obviously you're one of the editors in chief. You take a really big role with the paper. Why do you think it's important that as a uni paper here in Aberdeen that we cover COP26 and we cover things about the environment in general? Well, firstly, the fact that this is being held in Scotland is such a big deal because all the world leaders are coming here, some more controversial than others, but they're all coming over here to report and to give their facts. But it's important to know the small steps that we can also take. And whilst we may not be big world leaders, the best thing we can do is try and promote 
the best lifestyle possible, make people aware of the situation that's going on and what better place to do that than a university publication. Most definitely. Right. So another question for Amy, actually. Um, so obviously Aberdeen has been um, well known for its involvement with the oil and the gas uh, sectors in the past. And now it's really just beginning uh, to transfer over to renewable energy. And obviously the university um, kind of joined that um, those efforts uh, last fall or this fall, uh, committing to kind of divest from their fossil fuels and adopt more green practices. And obviously that was quite a long process um, over the last eight years or so with lots of student activism. So Amy, maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of that and maybe how the Gaudi has covered that in the last few years. Yeah, certainly. So Aberdeen in particular, like I remember when the wind turbines went up in the sea, uh, just things like that essentially. But uh, you will have seen from previous editions, even this year, we've been kind of a no science environment, had a COP26 piece in the first edition. Um, international as well, Ishti, our international editor, is also down at COP26. So he's been working really hard to kind of not just put it in terms of Scotland, but in terms of a whole world and how everyone's sort of tackling it. I think it was one, one of my favourite pieces they did last year the international team was they took a list of every country in the world and what they were doing for climate change so if you have an issue from the last edition go from the last year go and have a look at that definitely awesome well so this is a question for sam now um obviously you know with science and environment you guys do pretty much all these different pieces they're very important talk a lot about climate change and how do you think um not only can you paint the picture of the people who are suffering and, and talk about policy. But how do you think you can keep the university itself, the administration, and even the students accountable uh, and encourage them to embrace more green and equitable uh, environmental issues? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. So the first thing is to actually know what is green? What are green behaviors? Because you hear a lot about things, but some of them are actually misleading. For example, one thing a lot of people think is that switching to organic is better for the planet because that's kind of the uh, design around it. But actually organic farming tends to take up like 20% more land use and produce more emissions. So we do actually need to communicate the science for how do you help? How much is reducing your transport helping versus how much is changing your diet, uh, reducing meat intake, those kind of things. How much do those help? Um, uh, and we need to communicate that clearly so that everyone knows the things that they can do to make a difference. But then obviously it's too much to just focus this on individuals. So we need to promote organizations. So I know that we've mentioned Aberdeen Climate Action in the past. Uh, we've mentioned other societies like Conservation Society and uh, people who are uh active in this space and promoting changes within the university and then holding uh, bodies like the university and systems account for what changes can we make to uh, reduce emissions and to meet those goals uh, that are actively effective at reducing our emissions? Most definitely. Well, Amy, this question is for you. Um, obviously, uh, Legality is a print media. We still print papers. Uh, we have a website, but we also try to really stress, uh, you know, having newspapers printed out where people can pick them up and read them. So I guess I'm wondering, um, what are some ways that the Gaudi has um, made sure that we, um, when we do this with the print media, we, we make sure that it's, uh, you know, uh, friendly to the environment and not wasteful and that sort of thing. What are some steps that we've taken in the past uh, to do that? Yeah. So firstly, the supplier that we get our paper from we know that it's of high quality but also we know that we can recycle it so every issue that isn't read we recycle we reuse we keep them for our records um and we're also aiming for 100 percent readability so we might cut down on 
printed versions, but we still highly encourage people to look online, look on our website. We also put our paper online fully. So if you don't feel comfortable picking up a paper, it's okay. It's online and you can still read every article. Most definitely. Uh, and so when it is online, what there, it's thegaudi.com.uk, yes? It's both. Uh, we went through a website change, but um, the official one, I believe, is gaudi.com. Very good. Awesome. And um, obviously, I think we're really doing great journalism on these issues. Um, thank you guys so much for coming. Before we do go, we just uh, want to ask, we always want to encourage people to write for the paper. We know that there's lots of issues that students care about and are passionate about. So I'll ask each one of you, what are some ways that students can get involved uh, either in science and environment or on the editorial team? What are some ways that they can do that? So I'll start with you, Sam. Uh, if they're interested in getting involved, how do they, how do, they do that? Uh, absolutely. We set up writers meetings occasionally, but you can also just uh, message myself or Holly Ferguson. Um, you can find us on, on Facebook or, or online or through our uni emails, whatever uh, works for you. And yeah, absolutely happy. Just drop us a message, drop us an email. If you have a story planned or you want to write something, but you're not sure you may be looking for some inspiration. Either way, just let us know. We'll help you with the rest of the process. Awesome. And then Amy, uh, obviously, doing more production or editorial or arts what are some ways that folks can get involved with that yeah if you have any queries whatsoever it could be to do with wanting to join the production team or it could be that you've got a piece you're not sure what section it wants to fit in um just email editor at thegaudi.co.uk awesome well thank you guys very much for joining us for this just week conversation about uh cop 26 why it's important um it was really lovely speaking with both of you and hopefully we'll have you back on sometime later on thank you thank you thank you very much Hey everyone, I'm here with Anthony and Ishi, uh, who have been spending the last week in Glasgow covering Top 26 live for the Gaudi. Uh, how are you guys doing? How, how's the week been so far? Uh, we've had a really good experience so far. Uh, super interesting conference, uh, and we're looking forward to the rest of it. Definitely. That's great. Uh, so I'm just wondering, obviously you guys have both been on the podcast in the past before. Uh, maybe you could just kind of tell us, just remind the readers what is exactly... Uh, what exactly you do at the Gallery and why you are covering uh, Top 26 this week. So I am Ishti. Nice to meet you, everyone. And I am the international editor of the Gaudi. Uh, so I'm Anthony. I'm the editor-in-chief. I've been covering it uh, along with Ishti. Uh, we've been doing joint news, international and science and environment coverage, uh, mainly in the live stream, but we'll also be having individual articles and interviews and vox pops coming up uh, but also as uh, editor-in-chief i've been making some contacts and chatting to other journalists and student journalists present at cop 26. anthony uh so i'm just wondering uh what is the atmosphere like in glasgow it's estimated that over thirty thousand people have traveled to the city including activists delegates media so what is it what is the atmosphere like kind of just walking around in the streets and interacting with people are they angry are they passionate what's the mood like i think that's a very good question uh, you obviously have the around thirty thousand delegates and staff and organizers plus about ten thousand police officers on the streets every day from wales england the metropolitan police nottinghamshire uh, i've been speaking to people who've been brought up as security as technical staff all the way from kent and york uh, so there's a wide mix of people um, I think inside the conference itself, uh, the mood has been fairly tense. Uh, people haven't been particularly pleased with the progress that's been made. Um, but 
just as important, importantly, if not more importantly, uh, I think there's definitely a clear divide between how the conference is reaching or not reaching people who actually live in Glasgow. You know, sure, people are going to say it's great. We've got this conference in Glasgow and we're going to get in all this worldwide attention. But how is this actually impacting me? Um, and I think that's something that climate leaders and world leaders are going to have to look at. I think it's going to have to be a case of working out policies uh, where people actually see how they benefit from uh, fighting climate change. Definitely, definitely. Right. So uh, a further question. This one is for Ishti. Um, so obviously leaders from all over the world have been coming to Glasgow, including obviously Boris Johnson, Nicholas Sturgeon, Prince Charles was there, uh, Joe Biden, uh, the presidents of France and Turkey, uh, prime ministers of Canada, all sorts of folk. Um, but I think what's almost just as notable is the folks who did not turn up, most notably uh, Putin uh, from Russia and Xi Jinping of China. Uh, and despite their countries being some of the largest global greenhouse emitters, um, they did not attend. Do they give a reason for why they didn't come? And what has been kind of the reaction inside um, inside the conference to their uh, to their absence? So if you'll allow me, I'd like to correct you there a bit, because the president of Turkey in the end did not attend the conference. Uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan cancelled in last minute. Um, so he was not there, uh, was there neither uh, Putin from Russia and the president of China either. Uh, they were all uh, saying they uh, are not going to attend. And the reasons behind, well, then that depends on uh, whose explanations do we believe. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson told the press that they're not present because of COVID. Um, whereas uh, President Biden, uh, well, indirectly suggested that they're not there because they do not care about these issues. Well, whether it is true or not, um, what Biden also uh, emphasized is that who is present at the conference and who is there. And uh, when it comes to that, it's important that while the symbolic presence of the presidents of Turkey, China and Russia uh, were not fulfilled, that's true. They all sent delegations to the COP26 and the representatives, the high representatives of their countries um, were there besides the negotiations table um, and they were all or they were also involved in trying to fight climate change. Obviously, the international community was greatly missing them and uh, was not really happy about this. Uh, and was not really happy about the fact that uh, these presidents were not there in personally. Uh, so was uh, the general crowd uh, surrounding COP because they believed that. Uh, these decisions uh, should be made by everyone and should be effective uh, in all countries as soon as possible. Most definitely. Thank you so much for that. Uh, moving kind of on to Anthony, uh, I know that I just saw from looking at the live, uh, live content and the live stream uh, over at the Gaudi's website, I saw that you attended several press conferences. Uh, what was that like from your perspective? Were you able to get any questions in and what kind of, what was the mood like in those press conferences? Uh, so, yeah, I've been to quite a few press conferences. Uh, 
from John Kerry and the Danish Prime Minister to Boris Johnson and the COP presidency uh, press conferences. It's been really interesting. I've been able to ask a few questions at a, at a couple of them, uh, most recently at the uh, least developed countries, LDC uh, one, which was particularly about the absence of Russia and China at, uh, at COP. But it's been really good. Uh, it's been nice to see and uh, work with other journalists there. Um, see a, a slightly different perspective to what you'd see on, on TV or, or, or from YouTube. Definitely, definitely. So I understand you were going to attend uh, one of Joe Biden's press conferences, but there's a bit of a uh, bit of a misunderstanding or something like that, and he wasn't able to go through. That's right. Um, so that's the only conference that myself and uh, other colleague journalists had issues accessing. Uh, so we went to the press conference room and at the door we were turned away by security who asked us, oh, do you have a special RSVP accreditation from the White House press office? Uh, and we were like, no, but we've been security vetted and we have press accreditation. Uh, so, you know, you should let us in. But he was like, oh, no, only people who've received the special RSVP can get in. Um, so it was only the American journalists who were flown in uh, with the president who were allowed to ask questions, which to me seems a bit ridiculous considering they get to ask questions of him every week but you know i mean and they said it was because of covid but obviously that's not the reason but hey i guess i guess that's the way these things sometimes work yeah most definitely i mean especially just like with the international ramifications uh and scale of this sort of event yeah you'd expect more international journalists to to get an award in as well um right so just kind of moving on to a few more questions that we have for you guys today um Ishti, i know a lot of world leaders had come and spoken we've talked about a few of them were there any specific commitments or promises that they made in their speeches? Uh, and if so, kind of how was that received by members of the conference? Well, so almost all world leaders re-emphasized the importance of uh, keeping global warming within this uh, settled framework of uh, uh, 1.5 degrees. They've all pledged to, uh, uh, like... Uh, bring their country on a net zero level by certain deadlines from 2030 to 2060. Uh, all sorts of deadlines uh, have been uh, announced. Obviously, it depends on the country. Besides, besides that, uh, many countries have also pledged an incredible amount of uh, financial funding to tackle the issues of climate change, um, but in 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 general, these were the uh, big big promises world leaders made. Awesome, yeah, thank you very much for that. Um, right, so just a kind of a, a few final questions uh, before we head off. Um, just for both of you, I guess, what has been perhaps the biggest observation you've taken away? or maybe the biggest uh, highlight or something that stuck with you as you've kind of gone throughout the last several days here at COP. Uh, so what is one thing that you've really just kind of seen or heard that has really just kind of stuck with you? Well, that's a tough one. Um, I think, like I was saying at the beginning, the, the quite stark divide between people at COP, uh, never mind the people who are supposed to be making the decisions, um, and the people actually outside the conference whose lives are going to be impacted most by the decisions or lack thereof. Um, but apart from that, I think the fact that there's less blaming at this COP 
of who's actually at fault for climate change than at previous COP conferences. And also the fact that, you know, now we actually have to start thinking, okay, yes, climate change is a terrible thing, but we have to look at what the options are and what our possibilities are, as, uh, as I hate to keep quoting him, but as Biden was saying at his press conference, you know, we have to see what are the economic possibilities, what are the other possibilities that can come with climate change from creating a, a green industrial transition and, and revolution from uh, gas and oil and, and other polluting industries. Definitely an issue for yourself. Well, in terms of interviews, um, we did quite a lot of interviews which are going to be published in the upcoming days or week. Um, I really enjoyed listening to all the Aber almost like not all, but like a handful of Aberdeen students um, telling me uh, during an interview what their personal experience was about the conference and what they gained out of it and what uh, what was very interesting to them, what talks, press conferences, events they've attended um, and how many different perspectives they adopted based on their different backgrounds through which they like viewed the same climate conference. That was uh, really, really exciting to see. Other than that, I did an interview with the chief operations officer of the Ban Ki-moon Center uh, for Global Citizens, which is a non-governmental organization in Vienna, uh, helping governments uh, as well as individuals to base decisions or uh, on sustainability and on the Paris Climate Agreement. And this was an interview I've learned a lot from women's empowerment to youth politics, leadership, uh, climate change. Uh, it is a great interview and it's being published in the Gaudi as we speak and as this podcast is published. So make sure you guys, you check it out because uh, it's, it's going to be... It's going to be really great. One of my biggest projects so far, and I loved doing it. Well, again, thank you guys very much. It's been lovely speaking with you. Uh, get some rest, and uh, we'll see you guys when you get back to Aberdeen. The Gaudi Podcast is a production of Gaudi Media, and it's written, edited, and hosted by Josh Pudukamako. Special thanks to our guests on today's program, Anthony, Ishti, Sam, and Amy, and all the work they've been doing on COP26 and climate change reporting. Thank you so much for listening, and have a lovely day.